always preach a Father's Day message on Father's Day and a Mother's Day message on Mother's Day. Hopefully I got them right this year. Judges chapter 6. We're going to be looking at Joash, the father of Gideon. Gideon, an unlikely warrior that God calls while he's hiding. He has a father who has a small excerpt in Scripture here of his contribution to his son's ministry. In Judges chapter 6, we're going to catch up with that. I'm going to read verses 25 through 32 in just a minute. But let's thank God for the word this morning. Father, I thank you for what an awesome example of a heavenly father we have. You're, you're the one who inspires us to be good fathers. And as we sing about you and your perfection and your goodness and your mercy towards us, Lord, help us to uh, glean from your word this morning as we look at Joash to apply some things to our lives that will make us better fathers. I pray this in Jesus' name and the church said... Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and, put down the, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner. And take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Verse 28. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down and the Asherah which was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. They said to one another, who did this thing? And when they searched about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die. For he has torn down the altar of Baal, and indeed he has cut down the Asherah which was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you deliver him? Whoever will plead for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, little g, let him contend for himself, because someone has torn down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he named him, Gideon, Jerubbabel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he has torn down his altar. So here we see a situation in Scripture where Gideon is called into ministry, and he's called into ministry, and the first thing he does is he starts a riot in his town. Nothing like starting off with a bang, huh? You know, go, go big or go home. Gideon like, all right, let's, let's tear down all the altars. Let's tear down, you know, this asterisk was a pole. It was, it was you know, an, an idol. He cuts it down. He uses it as firewood to make an offering to the Lord. Notice it was a bull that he used. It's reminiscent of a sin offering. So it's kind of like, I'm cutting down your idol, and I'm going to use it to fuel the fire of my repentance on behalf of the nation. So a powerful gesture here. Gideon starts off with a bang. Now, if you look at all of this and, and how Joash steps in and what he does for his son, there's some principles in here that we're going to get. There are three of them. We're going to look at them in just a minute. But let me start off 
with Father's Day with some thoughts here. For a very long time, the role of men, and particularly fathers, has been under withering attack. And we know it. There used to be a time where fathers were revered and respected. They came home. You know, dinner was on the table. Everybody, the kids were quiet. You know, you, I don't know how far back you got to go to get that. Was that like, you know, leave it to beaver? Was that like in the 50s? But no more, man. It, it, that's gone. I'm lucky if the dog gets up to greet me some days. You know, my wife's working, kids are everywhere. So things are different in our society, but manhood, and particularly fatherhood, has been on, under withering attack for years, for decades. You know, it's been under attack from our culture, from feminism, and from the kingdom of darkness. I want to talk about those three things. Our culture uses terminology to attack men these days. It's words, you know. They'll use words like patriarchal or male-dominated or misogynistic. Or how about this one, Uh, toxic masculinity. I'm not quite sure what that is, but I'm sure that I have it. Amen? So basically, any father who wants to stand up and be a man in the house, who wants to love his wife and his children, be protector and provider, is somehow assaulted with all of these words. And then the the message is, stand down, take a back seat. You're not in charge anymore. How about feminism? Well, feminism has attacked masculinity. And I have to say this about feminism. The reason that feminism has got so vitriolic is because men have treated women horribly for decades. Now it's quiet. And as Christian men, we need to do a lot better than our culture. All this baby mama, baby daddy, baby this, I can't even keep up with it anymore. But it's destroyed the fabric of our society and it's denigrated the role of men in the home and women have had enough. And so there, you know, feminism can be vitriolic at this point. And, and, you know, women have come to the conclusion where I don't need to get married to have babies. I can just get pregnant, have babies. I'll, I'll take care of them myself. I don't need a man involved. You didn't think you were going to get a happy, clappy, goosebumpy message, did you? Well, I don't need no man. And you know, you guys got that neck crank thing going. I can't even do it. Somebody help me. Candy, that was pretty good. What do you got over there? You got anything for me? That girl. But the truth is, little girls need their daddy. Did you hear me? I said, little girls need their daddies. Little boys need their fathers. You know, a little girl learns from her father how a man should treat her. A little girl learns from her father what's respectable and what's acceptable behavior. Uh, A little girl learns how to relate to a man uh, by her father, how her father treats her mother. That's how she's going to function as a wife. You think about all the dysfunction, our culture and feminism, and and men that don't behave properly have brought into our homes. It's sad, but little girls need their daddies, and every little boy needs a father. We see the byproduct of sons that are raised without fathers. We got generations of men that'll make children but not father them. And it can't be that way in the church. Little boys need their fathers. If you look at the statistics, boys that are raised without fathers are exponentially more likely to be incarcerated, to be in gangs, to get in trouble with the law, to quit high school, to not go to... It's crazy. The statistics, you can't even argue with them. I learned a lot of things from my mother about compassion, about patience and things. But I learned how to be a man from my father. See, he was here first service. He ran out. 
But I, I learned my dad taught me how to work. My dad taught me how to treat a, 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 a woman, how to treat my wife. He taught me how to be productive and get up early. And come on, you've seen pictures. You read about these things. You know, support the family, make a living, use tools, build stuff, fix stuff. I learned that from my father. I pass it on to my children. If I can get the joystick out of their hand and the controller, I'll show you how to use a wrench. Right? Boys need that. Half an amen I got from Patrick. You were shy. You thought your wife was going to neck crank you, didn't you? But when fathers aren't in the home, it makes damage. Now, God bless every single mom who does the very best that she can, but you know what? We need fathers to father their children. Mom can't do everything, Dad. There's a part for you to do. Thanks, Kel. Okay, the kingdom of darkness. Let's talk about the devil. Nothing else is working. The devil attacks men all the time. Why? Because if he knows, if he can get men to abdicate their role in the home, to, sh to shut up, to take a back seat, to not be involved, to be a mush and let his wife do everything, he knows he can unravel the fabric of the home. Why? Because the, God, the word of God says that the man is the head. He has to be the priest, the protector, and the provider. And if he's not, the house is out of balance. Man, it's like selling bacon recipes to rabbis in here. Come on, second service. The enemy wants you to quit, Dad. He wants you to take a back seat. He wants you to sit down and shut up. He wants you to watch TV and be all caught up in sports where men in leotards run around and catch balls. He wants you to have a fantasy football team and be involved with all this stupidity and not father your children. And it's high time that we grow up and we leave childish things behind and we become men in our homes. If not, the enemy will move in and he'll destroy the fabric of the home. And he's done a great job, and we've seen it happen in the last generations. Now our kids are running wild on the street, and they don't listen, and they don't respect authority, and they're a little bit scary out there. Guess what? We built that. Why is there so much resistance to the role of men and fathers? Well, it's because the enemy knows how to destroy the family, and once he does, he takes full control, and he destroys generations to come. Now, we see some things in Judges 6 here through Joash as he relates to his son Gideon. And we see three things that fathers must do to honor God as being fathers. So the first is this. Fathers must defend their children. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write that down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to preach back to me uh, because you got nothing else to do. So say amen. Fathers must defend their children. Verse 30, the men of the city said to Joash. So here Joash just gets up. You ever get up some days and it's all, it's all busting loose already? I mean, the phone rings, it's early. You're still rubbing your eyes. Joash answers the door and there's a whole town. Well, look at that. Torches and pitchforks. Hey, Joash. It's tough being a dad sometimes. You got to roll with the punches. You got to figure out what's going on. They're knocking at his door. It says, the men of the city, bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that is beside it. So basically, it's a simple request that they articulated. Hey, Joash, bring your son out here. We're going to kill him because he did X, Y, and Z. 
Now here's a father confronted with something that his son did. These people are not playing games. They don't want to talk. They want blood. It's, it's a very serious situation. But Joash is put in a position where he, he is in a position where he either has to defend his son or he has to step aside and let the mob have their way. I want to tell you something. There may be nobody at your door with torches and pitchforks, but there's still a mob out there that wants our children to bow the knee to Baal. Come on. There's still a mob out there. Wake up. There's still a mob out there that wants our kids to bow to all kinds of twisted ideologies that contradict the Bible. There's teachers in school and there's professors in college that will mock their faith and tell them, no, 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 you can't believe that. You can't say that. You, you have to believe this. You have to say this. Come on, Full Gospel Center. There's a mob out there. They've been out there for a long time. Some of us are still sleeping and they're knocking on the door and they're saying, we want your kids. And they're going to conform, or we're going to put them to death. Not maybe literally, but spiritually. So fathers have to stand up for their children. You see what your son did, Joash. He tore down the altar, that false idol, Baal, that you put on your property. When our children are attacked for doing and saying the right things, that's when a father must rise up and defend them. See, it wasn't that Gideon did something wrong, maybe in their eyes, but Joash is about to spin it. Understand something, Gideon is being attacked here because he did the right thing. There shouldn't have been idols and altars on Joash's property. That is unfit for a person who is, you know, for Jewish people who are supposed to worship the one God, amen? Yet there's idols there. So, you know, Gideon does the right thing. You know it was gonna be explosive, why? Because he did it at night, he wouldn't do it in the light of day. He was a little bit scared of what? His father and of the townspeople who worshiped that idol. So when our children are attacked for doing and saying the right things, fathers, dads, we must stand up for them and defend them. You say, how do we defend them? Defend them by speaking the truth to them when they're confused. You have young children, you have children in grade school, high school, college, even grown children. The world is confusing to them. You know, they don't know what to think about these things that it seems like everybody's doing it. Everybody's saying, you gotta, you gotta think this way. You gotta act this way. Forget that Christianity stuff. Forget what that preacher says. You know, conform to our image and, and bow to our idol or we're coming after you. They're confused. So as godly fathers, we have to speak into our children's lives to tell them why it is that we don't sleep around and make babies out of wedlock and why it is that we don't call women certain names and we're respectful. Why it is that we submit to God-ordained authority. Hello. <laughs> to defend our children, we must uphold the standards of God by our own words and examples. You know, this do as I say, not as I do doesn't work. This generation's not putting up with that. If there's any hypocrisy in us, we have to deal with it, but we have to set the example. And we, the, the most important way we defend our children is in the place of prayer. You know, there are times where you can speak to your sons and your daughters, fathers, and you can say all the words that there are to say. Anybody run out of words? The women are going, we don't know what you're talking about. Mom will never run out of words. Your mother will henpeck you into submission. It's like waterboarding. Come on. 
She's until you give in. She's preparing you for marriage. She, this is the way it works. Right? But dads, dads, your words after a while, they don't work. Your kids don't even hear them anymore. They're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does a dad do? You can't waterboard them into submission, but you can get on your knees and pray them into it. See, we need to learn how to pray again. There again, we're sitting on the couch. We got the remote. We're watching all the sports entertainment. We're, we're out of the game, yet we should be in the prayer closet on our knees for our children, praying for them every day. It's a powerful way to defend them, defend them in the place of prayer. So I want to say this about defending our children. When our children are wrong, we better not defend them. Oh, I should have brought my super soaker today. See, we've gotten in a bad habit in our culture that we defend our children's bad behavior. It used to be when I got in trouble in school, by the time I got home, I was in trouble again. And usually I was punished for a long season. I remember being in Catholic school and the nun would come up to me after class and hand me a note, a letter, sealed. And I'd carry it home like my own death sentence. You know, and then you, you'd have to give it to your mom because you had to get it signed and brought back. And they, you'd watch their face when they read it because you didn't know it was in there. And you, they, would, they look at you and you're like, I'm dead. See, and, and now it's different. Now, oh, not my little Johnny, not my little Oh, no, they can never do anything wrong. You know, and just you defend them to the teachers. You defend them uh, to the court system. You defend them to the police. And they, they never take responsibility. And listen to me. Until we learn to take responsibility for our bad behavior, we're never going to be productive citizens, let alone Christians, amen? We've got to take responsibility. So this whole thing about, you know, defending our kids when they do the wrong thing. Now, you stand with them. You don't abandon them. Hello, don't go to the other extreme. Joe Asher would say, yeah, that Gideon, he's a knucklehead. Go get him. He's in there sleeping. No, you don't do that. But, but you know, you got to let your kids skin their knees and take their lumps. And when they're wrong, let them be wrong. One of the most powerful things something, someone ever said to me was a, I, I was a young Christian, and I was being mentored by this man, and he looked at me in the eye, and he put his old finger in my face. And he said, hey, when you're wrong, be wrong. What does that mean? Don't make excuses. Don't defend yourself. Don't hide. Don't get other people to run interference for you. Be wrong. And I learned to do that. When I was wrong, I, I, I would take my lumps, and I didn't want to do it again. There was a man in the Bible who was a priest. His name was Eli, and he did not discipline or restrain his sons, and their behavior was very bad. And we see in the Old Testament, God pour out his judgment against Eli the priest, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we find the account. In verse 12, it gives this summarization of the behavior of Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Now, Hophni and Phinehas were priests along with their father, but this is what the word says about them. Now, the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. We skip down to verse 22. It says, now Eli was very old. So he's old. His sons are serving as priests, yet their behavior is out of control. It says, and he heard everything his sons did to, Israel, to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear your evil dealings with the people. Know, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. 
You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord had desired to put them to death. So here we got some kids of a priest who were so out of control. You say, what were the things that were doing? Well, not only were they committing sexual immorality with the women who came, you know, to, as they were serving as priests, they used their authority to do that, but they were also shaking the people down for good offerings when they came. People would come and bring their offerings, and the priests were allowed to stick their fork in the pot to take out the offerings after it was boiled, and they wanted good food to eat, so they would intimidate the people. If they showed up with something that they didn't like, they would send them away, or they would physically threaten them. They were like little mobsters. Think about that. What is this, goat? I don't want goat. Bring back a ribeye. Chicken again? They didn't offer chickens, did they? So anyways, these guys were corrupt. They were immoral. And Eli tries to talk to them. But what the Lord sees is here's a man who gives them the proverbial slap on the wrist when they should have been expelled and disciplined and defrocked as priests. He didn't discipline them. He basically just, you know, kind of, you know, guys, behave yourself. Come on, this isn't good. And, you know, they really needed to be disciplined. So God was so angry at Eli, he swore that he would take him out and his whole family, and he kept his word. When Hophni and Phinehas took the ark out into battle, the, the enemy came in and killed both of them on the same day, took the ark. When the news got back to Eli, he was old and fat and sitting on a chair. The Bible says when he heard the news, that his sons were both dead, he fell over backwards and broke his neck. Wow. You say, well, what's the point of that, Pastor Rick? The point of that is this. God takes it very seriously when we don't discipline our children. Fathers, God takes it very seriously when we don't discipline our children. We have got to be the standard for them. We have got to tell them when their behavior is wrong that they need to correct it. You know, Listen to me, children that, look at this, these were priest kids, yet they did not know the Lord. The Lord's like, I don't know these guys. They don't have a relationship with me. Where do you think they were going when their lives were over? Oh, all dogs go to heaven, but all sinners go to hell. And the only thing that removes sin from our life is Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. So defend your children. Don't throw them to the wolves. Don't allow the enemy to gain access to them, but correct them when their behavior is wrong. Why? So you'll produce godliness in them and so they won't lose their souls. Number two, the second thing that we learn from Joash is this. Fathers must be humble enough to admit when they're wrong. This is the sermon point that all the children love because sometimes parents are wrong. It's going to be a long point. I don't know about you, but has anyone ever made any mistakes in parenting? Has anyone ever blown it with maybe your temper or your attitude? I wish I had another hand. You know, fathers see the big picture when things go wrong and the, there's trouble or there's, a, there's the bad decision and we, we see 10 steps ahead and we start to freak out and come unraveled. I don't know about you, but Italian dads yell. We like to yell. Even if we're happy, we yell. You got to go to report card. Hey, we yell. 
It's just some cultures, man, we yell. You know, our greeting in the morning was a yell. Good morning. But sometimes you lose it with your attitude, with, with, you know, your behavior, and your children are watching. So fathers need to be humble enough to admit when they were wrong. Now, the idols Gideon tore down, as we mentioned, were his father's idols, and they were on his father's land. What did that make Joash an idolater? And that was wrong. But Joash never really says, you know, hey, you know, uh, dad was wrong. I should have never allowed that. He doesn't verbalize it that way. He just lets his actions in the situation become his admission of wrongdoing. What does he do? He doesn't side with the crowd. He doesn't side with Baal. He sides with Joash. So what he's saying by his actions is, yeah, I was wrong. I should have never did this. And you know what? I'm not taking your side in this. I'm taking God's side in this. And Gideon is the instrument of God in this situation. So Joash, without saying so, admits his wrongdoing. Now, he could have allowed his pride to kick in. And if you don't believe me, his own son was afraid. Why? He did it in the dark because he thought his dad might be mad. So Joash could have let his pride kick in and say, you know, you had no right to do that. I'm the head of this house. This is my land. I make the decisions around here. And he could have stepped aside and let the people, you know, contend against Gideon for Baal's behalf. But he doesn't. He stands with Gideon. And so his admission of guilt is in his actions in this situation. And he shows his humility in a way, and maybe not the best way, but he shows it in a way that his son feels some affirmation there. Now, humility is a gift that we have to stoop to receive. You know, we, you don't get humility like this. I'm number one with a big foam finger. You get humility like this. Like this. Man, God, I blew it. I messed up. I need grace. I'm humbling myself. Humility is a gift that you have to stoop to receive, that you have to lower yourself. Some people are unwilling to stoop, and some people are unwilling to lower themselves. And what? We'll never get that gift of humility. Noted English pastor and evangelist F.B. Mayer said this, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above another, and that the taller we grew in our Christian character, the easier it was for us to reach those gifts. I have now found that God's gifts are on shelves, one beneath another. And it is not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower, that we have to go down on our knees, always down, to receive the gifts of God. Godly men will humble themselves. Godly men will lower themselves. Godly men will admit when they're wrong. The pride of a man will be his undoing. Because if we don't say that we're wrong when we're wrong and our children know that we're wrong, they see the hypocrisy in us and they will emulate it in their own lives. The truth is that we need to do a little better than Joash did. Joash admitted he was wrong by his actions. You know, it's kind of like the husband who doesn't treat his wife right and then one day he just shows up with flowers. Now it's uncomfortable. And what do those flowers say, guy? Well, you know, it says, well, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Can we just forget the past and move on? I was good today. Can we be happy? You know, and the thing is, sometimes we have to just vocalize that we were wrong. Fathers, our humility will go a long way 
with our children when we're teaching them about integrity and responsibility and holy living. When we can look our children in the eye and say, Dad was wrong in the way I handled that situation. Or when I was a young man, I was wrong in the way I behaved. Or, you know, what I did with my finances was wrong. How I treated your mother was wrong. (laughs) Oh, there'll be less people here next week. Man, humility goes a long way in your relationship with your wife. You know, let's, let's try something. All the guys, all the married guys, I want you to repeat after me. Are you ready? You better do a good job. I'm not in the mood right now. I want you to say this. I was wrong. A little better. Come on. I was wrong. That wasn't much better. I'm sorry. Nah. How about this one? You didn't deserve that. Now, if you dare to say some of those things, give your wife a second to like, re-hinge her jaw. She might have to pop her eyeballs back in, but she's going to appreciate it when you're done. Well, if I admit that, then it just gives her leverage, and she never pop. Well, just be a man and go first. I was wrong. Are there women saying yes? I'm getting more response from men on this point. So humility goes a long way. If you'll humble yourself, Dad, if you'll admit when you're wrong, boy, does that just give so much grace to your children because then when they're wrong, they know it's okay. There's a way back. Listen, if you and I can admit we're wrong and repent and change our behavior, that all those around us under our influence as men, they can see that when they do the same things, there's a way out. We've got to set the example, amen? It used to be, you know, there again, generations ago, parents are always right, no matter what they did. But no, we've gone past that now, and there's a level of transparency that's healthy to admit when we've blown it so our kids know that when they blow it, there's a way out for them too. Number three, least any flesh survives. We're going to finish up in here in just a second. Fathers must take a public stand for righteousness. See, what Gideon got himself into, his father stood between the crowd and him, and he made his profession publicly. He didn't close the door. He didn't have a family meeting. He didn't send a letter. He stood right out there. I don't know how, if he had a porch, but I'm figuring he's standing on his porch, and they're all out there, and he takes a public stand for righteousness. Now, it, it says this, Joash says, let the one who would plead for him, Baal, be put to death by morning. Look at that. He says, would you plead for Baal? He says to them, would you save him? So he's basically pointing out the the hypocrisy here that these Jewish people who have allowed idols to come into their lives are now going to stand against their their God and stand up for the idols. And Joash is going, if the idol is a God, let him stand up for himself. Amen. Look, never serve a God that you have to feed and water and paint and maintenance hello idols of wood and stone i mean what kind of god is that and that's the point that he's making here you know would you stand up for Baal? you jewish guys you know it was wrong you know it was a compromise i'm admitting by my actions here today that i should never allowed it into my life or onto my land or into my house but are you guys going to really stand up for Baal against the living god against the god that gideon serves 
Yes, I've compromised, but it ends here today. You see, Joash is taking a stand. Dad, maybe we've been in the background. Maybe we haven't been vocal. Maybe we've blown it. But at some point, you've got to take a stand and say, it ends here today. Now I'm going to stand for what's right. And if you're willing to admit when you've been wrong and then stand up for right, it can produce great things in the lives of your children. I love what he says here. You know, he's telling them, you're going to stand up for Baal. If you're going to stand up for him, you're on your own. Then he says, let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. Do you guys realize what he's saying there? He's saying, look, I'm going to, I'm going to aggressively uh, resist you at this point. If you side with idolatry, I'm, now we're, we're going to fight this out. He's basically standing on his porch, and he just goes, Ch -ch -ch. He says, if you guys want to do this, you're going to be dead by morning. Man, he is a gangster. I like this guy. It sounds kind of flowery there, but it's not at all. Those guys on the front lawn got the intention. They, 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 you know, this Joash was no pushover. So he took a stand and he said, I'm going to aggressively, you know, stand against you if you're going to stand up for idolatry. And this is what we need to see in our men once again, that we'll aggressively stand up for righteousness and against immorality. It's about time godly fathers in this nation get up off the couch, quit it with the games and the fantasy football and all the other distractions. It's time that the godly fathers in our nation get up and take a vocal stand in the public square for righteousness. Look, I don't want to hear it. Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm private about my faith or I'm, you know, I'll just write letters or I'll just pray. Listen, it's, it, we're beyond that at this point. If we don't stand up and say something, we're going to lose a nation. We're going to lose a generation. It's, it's beyond time. Joshua made a statement to his generation when he was in a place much like we are in right now. Joshua 24, 15 be, uh, is so relevant to us because we're in the exact same situation. Listen to what Joshua says. And if it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods, little g, of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua took a stand in his generation. He didn't write a letter campaign. He didn't have a hashtag. He didn't, you know, put a GoFundMe page together. He spoke to the people of his generation. He said, what, you don't want to serve the Lord? That's your choice. You don't want to serve the Lord? That's your choice. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And God is waiting for the men of this generation, the godly men of this generation. He's waiting for a remnant. He's waiting for a few good men to stand up, to take the helm, and to be vocal about the wickedness that's going on in our generation. Amen. Now listen, as of late, I've seen... A lot of school board meetings where the things that are going on in our schools, the immorality and uh, the perversion that they're teaching our children. I've seen a lot of school board meetings lately. Have you seen them on the internet? Where mothers are standing up and just, I mean, they're, they're, some of these ladies are just blasting these clowns to pieces. <laughs> and I hate that expression, you go girl, but I almost had to say it. Because they were, I mean, and I'm like, where are the fathers? Where are the dads? God help us, men. 
Did you believe the lie of the devil? Take a back seat. Shut up. We don't need to hear from you. You're non-essential. You're not important anymore. We got it from here. That's a lie. I'm afraid some of us have believed it. But God is waiting for a remnant of this generation to step up and stand up. There's a lot of wickedness coming down the pipe, and it's infiltrating our schools and our churches and our pulpits. And literally the body of Christ is in trouble at the point where compromise is happening so fast there are very few people who are holding fast to sound doctrine. So it's as serious as it can get, guys. And you say, come on, Pastor Rick, it's Father's Day. You, give me a break. Preach something happy, clappy. I'm going to a barbecue. Well, I'm just giving you what we need to hear today. And while you eat at your barbecue, <laughs> and while you have your steak and your burger and your hot dog, remember who you are. You're God's man of faith and power. God has chosen you to take the lead role, to stand up, to have a spine. Look, leave your man bag and your man bun behind. Leave your coloring book and your crayons in the corner where they belong. Stand up, gird yourself, and be a man like God said to Job. Don't abdicate your role in family or society because without you, we're unraveling quickly and we're heading to scary places. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I just thank you this morning that there is a righteous remnant left. There is a, a remnant that will speak up and stand up. Father, teach us to do it with love, not in anger or not with you know, being accusatory or vitriolic, but teach us to stand up and speak the truth in love. Never with hatred, or never with violence, but, but with firm conviction that we would declare the truth. There's many, many on the fence out there who are just waiting for someone to stand up and take a stand, and they'll side with the righteous remnant. But God, give us the courage to stand up and lead the way. Father, bless these fathers today. Help them to realize who they are in your sight, that no matter what the world says about them, no matter what the enemy says about them, you have chosen them to be leaders, to be servant leaders in the home and priests in the home. And Father, you've equipped them to do the job. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them praise this morning.